This is the Build Your Path podcast, where we explore how people get into their careers in the built environment. Today's guest is Doug Handy, an over 14-year industry veteran focusing on career and technical education. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan, Build the Lifestyle You Deserve. Welcome on into the Build Your Path podcast, hosted by myself, Matthew Pine. I am with my guest today, Douglas Handy, uh, Director of Career and Technical Education and Fine Arts for Baltimore County Public Schools. So the coolest thing I've ever done, um, really, in this role, uh, we brought back an alum from our programs. Uh, he's a celebrity chef, or that's what he calls himself, and really just had a big celebration for like 150 students and a bunch of other stakeholders. So, Doug, uh, do you just kind of want to go into, you know, how you got into your role, maybe um, the pathway that you followed in your early life? Sure, sure. So, um, Matt, a little, I would say, atypical for an educator. Um, actually, this education um, was not my first career choice. Uh, when I was in high school, my goal was to be um, an engineer, um, and I, I was able to do that. So I feel, um, you know, fortunate I had the opportunity. So went to Baltimore Polytechnic Institute in Baltimore City. Um after I graduated, I went to North Carolina A&T to study chemical engineering, um, earned my degree there. Um, the time I was there, I was involved in um, co-oping, which was big for me. And I think that really kind of started my whole uh, focus on experiential learning. So started my first co-op experience the summer after my freshman year of college. So I've worked for 3M, actually 3M company okay. um, in Minnesota. So I got a chance to see what the applications of you know engineering looked like. And I had five assignments with 3M over the course of my college career. Um, they actually paid um, half of my tuition um, as part of that arrangement. Um, so I did enter the field of engineering um, after I graduated, um, worked for a company in South Carolina um, called Wellman Incorporated. And we worked in, um, it was really uh, human made textiles. Um, so it started off as actually a wool processing plant. Um, and they actually did, still did some wool processing, but they also um, processed polyester and nylon. Um, so that was really my first experience um, as a as an engineer. I was a process development engineer. Stayed there for about three years, and I moved to Delaware, um, and I worked for uh, W. L. Gore. Um, Gore-Tex was kind of like their big product, and actually at that time they still made Glide floss, which is really nice dental floss. Doesn't shred between your teeth and all that good stuff. They they kind of sold that off, uh, but just to give you a flavor for what they sold, um, so I did that. And then um, transition really from that into education. And really the whole time I was in college, um, I did some tutoring in the community down in um, Greensboro where A&T was located, um, involved in Boys and Girls Club when I was in my first job. And then my job in Delaware was a program called African Rites of Passage and got involved with some young people there and really saw that there were you know, some struggles in their academic career and their school um, their schooling. And I really wanted to be more part of helping support them and really with the idea of like even letting them know that engineering could be a pathway for them. So um, after about three years in Delaware, I moved back um, to Baltimore and uh, started teaching um, at um, in Howard, Howard County Public School System. So I started working my teacher certification, started teaching, and I was teaching um, technology and engineering at Howard County Public Schools at the high school level. And for those who don't know, for our listeners who may not know, can you just kind of explain what CTE really stands for and what it means? 
Sure, sure. So CTE stands for Career and Technical Education. Um, a lot of times when I'm explaining to folks, I'll you know you need to try to start with something they may be more familiar with, and I'll say you're familiar with vocational education. A lot of people are, and uh, really it's the the update, if you will, of uh, vocational education. So if you think of some of those vocational fields um, that people are familiar with, like um, say carpentry, plumbing, cosmetology. Um, those still exist. And we also have fields like computer science and engineering. So some fields uh, that folks may not associate with vocational ed. And the way we talk about it is multiple pathways. So a student could leave a high school CT program and go straight to work, or they could go on to some type of two-year, four-year education. So really that's how CTs expanded um, and built upon vocational ed, really try to open up more programs and more opportunities, more pathways for who would you say has been like a mentor for you in education? Uh, so I think about a mentor for me, it really goes back to, um, I would say my time in the classroom. So when I first started teaching, it was kind of an odd pathway. Um, I didn't go to a teacher prep program. So I tell folks like I didn't have any student teaching experience. I, I was a teacher of record. That was the first time I'd been in the classroom. So I know like those poor kids, right? So it's like, here I come first, um, first day of school and I'm getting all my experience like that. So my lifeline, if you will, was a gentleman named Dennis Sobolewski. Uh, Dennis was, his position was facilitator um, in Howard County Public Schools. He was a facilitator in CTE and Dennis would just always be there to guide me. I mean, he would show up um, unannounced, um, asking if I needed anything and really just guided me through that first year. So without him, I would not have survived. Um, I stayed in the classroom for five years before I moved on to um, another opportunity. And uh, really, Dennis is just um, not only did he help me survive those five years, but he also when I when I transitioned into a central office position um, like I have in Baltimore County, I really just modeled my style, if you will, after Dennis. So I wanted to be there um, before teachers could ask if I was, you know, before they could ask for help. I wanted to make sure they had supplies they needed, materials, professional development, you name it. So. Certainly consider Dennis, consider Dennis a mentor. Dennis is actually in Florida now. He's in Broward County, yep. Florida. Um, we run each other. We have in the in the past. Um, it's been a while. We used to run each other like at national conferences. Uh, but Dennis <laughs> is definitely a mentor for me. Somebody I've modeled my career after and really just an all around great person. This might be kind of a broader question, but what do you see the biggest challenges facing education and maybe CTE specifically nowadays? So I think the biggest challenge, um, still one of, of access, and I look at like education in general, um, you know, public education is certainly available to to the public, right? And, um, you know, taxpayers' dollars pay for it. Uh, when we look at an opportunity like CTE, I feel like the opportunities are very rich. So we're, we're telling students, uh, we call it value-added. So when a student finishes the CTE program, they'll have some type of industry-recognized credential, um, they also could have some um, college credit. So the opportunities we feel are very rich, um, but we need to be mindful of who gets access to those opportunities. So I look at education um, like a part of the social capital that we all have. And um, I think like a lot of other systems, if you will, that exist in society, I think there are folks who know how to leverage those systems. And if we look at students um, who are in poverty, um, now we're looking also at students who are um, immigrants, um, so like our English for speakers of other languages, um, students with uh, disabilities. So those are some of our more vulnerable populations, and we need to make sure that those students are getting access to CTE. 
we have seen um, increases in those populations getting access to CT, so that's encouraging. And we need to continue that. We need to make sure that um, we're, we're actively recruiting as the educators in CT, that we're actively recruiting to make sure we're diversifying um, who is in our classrooms and our labs. Um, and I think we do that. Um, I mean, it sounds, you know, like, like a, maybe somewhat of a stretch, but we, I think we can also see that impact happening in societies. In other words, we'll see more diversification in who's in the workforce, um, making sure we're giving opportunities to students who didn't have opportunities before. So I still think that's a challenge because I think there's, there's a mindset that, you know, we grant programming and education to students that are deserving. So think about what a deserving student looks like, you know, someone with, you know, an outstanding academic record, great, you know, attendance record. Well, I would argue these are the students, well, the students who don't exhibit that or haven't shown that are the students we really need to be recruiting um, and showing them that there is a pathway for them, there's some opportunities for them. Um, and I think once we give them authentic opportunity, um, I think we'll see that they will rise to the occasion. So I, I still think that's one of our challenges, making sure we are including students who, you know, really up to this point have been marginalized or not included in these opportunities. Yeah, certainly a great answer and I think very timely. So we, we kind of already alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, but what is the coolest, maybe even the most unique thing that you've ever done in your position? Right. So this one, and I guess um, before I was in the position I'm in now, I was the coordinator of CTE. So now I have fine arts as part of my my team, if you will. So um, I would say definitely, you know, um, back when I was CTE coordinator, this is actually back in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a CTE student recognition ceremony every year. And what we ask is our teachers to recognize their top senior in their program. So if you look at the number of high schools we have in Baltimore County Public Schools and the number of programs, it turns out, turns out to be about 150 students that were recognized. Um, and as part of that, uh, historically, we used to go to Martin's West, we would have a plated dinner. Um, we would charge um, charge families you know, to um, come to the dinner. And after a while, really the cost became an issue. So. We kind of retooled that whole um, ceremony and we started going to really just a, a school and we went to one school to have a ceremony and it was fine but uh, we had like um, one of our culinary programs made like a plate of cookies and we said well this is this is okay but this isn't you know this isn't really celebrating our students to the degree we like to celebrate them and actually one of our business partners said you all might want to like, let's try to step it up a little bit I said, we'll mm -hmm. do that so actually the idea came from uh, my administrative secretary who i've had been fortunate as I've moved through Baltimore County and been promoted, she's kind of been there with me. So I get promoted, she gets promoted and remains my my secretary. And she had a, um, someone she knew from her neighborhood. It was a guy named Robert Stewart, Chef Stu. So shout out to Chef Stu. Um, and he had since moved out to the West Coast, but he was a Baltimore County Public School alum. He had gone from the school system to CCBC, pursued, you know, being a chef. And she said, well, I think he'd be good to be um, a keynote speaker. And also he could help bring, you know, that, um, bring the food back in, frankly, you know, people like to celebrate with food. So it was really sure. exciting. His former teacher actually was still in BCPS, uh, still in the school system, but she just moved to another school. She was at Eastern Tech. She went over to Carver, um, Carver Center. So he came in, they had a reunion. He wanted to, you know, have this um, meal and we were at Chesapeake High School. We were in the lobby of the school, really nice setup to have, you know, folks flow from the auditorium into the lobby, but he decided he'd set up the whole menu it was mostly finger food, but he also invited um, students, of course, at Carver Center, students from the other, um, we have four culinary programs in the district. He really invited students to come over, help him prepare the meal. He actually taught them. 
Um, so it was very comprehensive. And then I remember that evening of the ceremony, he was actually out in the lobby um, preparing the food to be served after the program. And we actually had to call for him to come do his keynote. So he literally just like came in from the lobby, ran down the aisleway, jumped on the stage, gave this incredible keynote. I mean, really just very charismatic person. Um, I remember the board president at that time, the chair of the board actually asked me like, where'd you all find him? Like, where'd you get this guy? You know, on stage together. So it was just really neat to see um, the culmination of kind of all of our work, you know, celebrating our students, celebrating our alum, seeing an alum who had gone off. He worked in Atlanta. Then he was out in like the Bay Area and California. So just bringing all that together was kind of neat um, to watch it unfold and really have the idea start, you know, with my, my secretary and watch it just grow. And just, you know, reminder, of, you know, great ideas will come from great team members, no matter what their role is. So I just thought that was neat to be a part of that. And it was like a pleasant surprise for me too, just to, you know, kind of watch it all unfold and be a part of it and just see everyone who was involved that evening really just agree that it was just, you know, an outstanding event. What would you say, you know, gets you up in the morning? What, do, what brings joy to your work? Mm -hmm. I think really making that impact and giving students an authentic um, opportunity. Um, if I look at one of our newer programs, um, it's called um, PTAC, stands for Pathways in Technology, Early College High School. It is a national program. We brought it to BCPS. And when we talk to the parents about it, they see it's, it's an authentic, it's a real opportunity. So just in a nutshell, students come in, um, they can get uh, their high school diploma and an associate degree from um, CCBC, Community College of Baltimore County, within six years. And we have business partners that are providing mentoring for those students and also um, at least one six-week paid internship for every student. So, you know, if you talk to a parent about that, and it's all free to the, it's free to the families, they realize, wow, this is, this is real. Uh, this is a real authentic opportunity. And then students get their first-in-line consideration for um, for jobs with our business partners. So when I think about those type of opportunities, just really opportunities that could literally change a student's life, um, that's what really gets me going in the morning. So, you know, no longer right there directly with students, but certainly, you know, as a central office administrator, trying to take down any barriers uh, for any administrators, for teachers to provide these opportunities or, you know, like building out a program like that. So just knowing that, you know, my work day in and day out can provide an authentic opportunity and maybe change the life of a student, that's really what gets me going. So this doesn't have to be necessarily professionally, but who in your life do you, do you consider to be the smartest person that you know and why? So I, I think for me, um, kind of had to say my dad. Um, so, um, you know, I mentioned that 2015 event, actually it was 2015 when my dad passed away. So um, this will be the five year anniversary of June 3rd. So certainly miss him tremendously. Um, and I think I'm realizing more how smart he is. And I guess, man, we say smart. Um, Certainly, um, and I'm glad you opened it up beyond just work, uh, yeah. but even like just how he navigated life, the example he set, um, his take on things, um, his zest for life. I mean, he, he, I say smart because it seemed like there was, it seemed like he knew a, at least a little bit about everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, certainly when I was a child and then even as I got older, I remember like our first house that my wife and I bought together. He, you know, his advice on that, just anything. He, he could tell you a little something. He was always you know, avid reader and just um, enjoy traveling. So really when I look at how he approached life, um, his interactions with his family, um, just, you know, really a beloved person, but certainly somebody I consider to be highly intelligent. So I remember his thing to me when I come up from college, he'd always ask me, I want to go, you know, spend time, hang out with my friends. And he'd ask me like, you know, 
you, know, you catch up on some chemistry. I know there's like chemistry in your best grade, you know, that type of thing. So right. it really made me serious about being, you know, smart, if you will, about trying to make mm-hmm. sure I was building my intelligence. And um, like I said, really just his approach to life in general. So I, I, I would say my dad is definitely the smartest person that I've got a chance to know. Say a, say a young person comes up to you and, you know, they ask you, you know, should I pursue a pathway in CTE? What would you tell them? Mm-hmm. I'd say do it, first of all. And what we try to do, we kind of, you know, like I interact with anybody from, like, say, the business world, Matt. I'll ask them, like, what's your industry? Um, and, you know, use that to explain to them what CTE is about. So um, I like the fact that during high school, students can actually get to experience what an industry will be like. So we're not, you know, just reading about it in a book, not just someone talking at them, but they get to experience what that industry is like, at least, you know, get some type of preview. So a student wants to explore any career field, I would say, well, let's check out the program we have, you know, at XYZ school, get involved, see if you like it. And we talk about them being able to make informed decisions. So, you know, let's say the student tries out a culinary program and they say, wow, I didn't realize this is what a culinary, you know, what culinary arts is really like on mm-hmm. the industry side. I didn't know that. I like to, you know, cook a little bit. I didn't know it entailed all this. Well, then they can make a decision to not pursue that after high school. Or they get into a field like, you know, I, I love this. This is the greatest thing ever. Um, and maybe they never had a chance to try it other than being, you know, in, you know, our high school program. So I would tell them definitely give it a try and then, you know, see what it's like. Um, if they find out they love it, they can continue. If they find out they don't, then they, they have an informed decision. But they get to actually experience it. Uh, because, you know, our culinary lab, to stay with that example, it looks like it's a commercial culinary kitchen. So they get to experience that um, firsthand. Our teachers are, um, they're from industries. They've had industry experience. They can share their experience. Um, students get a chance to go on internships and other work virtual, work-based learning experiences. So I would say, come on in, give it a shot, you know, try out something that you've got an interest in and see if it's something that you really want to stick with beyond high school. And sort of a, a wrap up for you. Uh, what, what would you say that the rewards are that you reap from your position? So I think it's back to that question about, you know, what, what gets me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think building those authentic opportunities. So, you know, you talked about um, like our P-TECH program at Dundalk, um, where um, next year will be the third year of the program. So we'll have the third cohort. Um, just watching really an uh, education, we'll call it the light bulb going off, right, when a student gets it. I think one thing that was exciting for me um, in P-TECH, kids started taking their college courses in 10th grade. Some students determined that they actually found they could be, they found their college courses not easier than high school courses, but they, <laughs> they, they got it quicker. They liked that mode of learning. They liked going yeah. over to the college campus, being, you know, treated like college students, and they were able to pick up the content. And that made them, you know, that gave them that self-assurance that they could do this. So I think things like that are what really... That's that magic, if you will. That's what really makes it all come together. Um, so even though, like I said, not being in the classroom every day, I feel like I, I do have a broad reach and I can make an impact across our school system. And when I hear about, you know, that type of feedback that students are enjoying their experience or they're motivated by it, that's really what does it for me. Well, we uh, certainly appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Hopefully uh, you stay safe out there. Thank you, Matt. You do the same. Appreciate the opportunity. Right. Take care. Appreciate it, Doug. If you want to learn more about Build Your Path podcasts or the built environment overall, go ahead and visit buildyourpath.org. Another big thank you to our guest, Doug Handy, for Baltimore County Public Schools. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan. Build the lifestyle you deserve. 
Exposure Path podcasts are produced by the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. I'm Matt Pine. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.